there. Welcome to Out of the Frying Pan podcast with Dorothy Brown and Alan Cuse. Good to have you along. It is. It's a good day. And you know, the sun is shining. I know you might be listening to this way in the future, but the sun is shining here in lovely Bournemouth. Anywhere by the seaside is always better, I feel, when the sun is shining. Oh, absolutely. For Skegness, I could say this about Skegness because I am originally from Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> I was dragged up in Lincolnshire. So, yeah, but you go to Skeg, it's not quite the same buzz. Let's put it this way, if it's raining. Don't know how we got on to that, because no. we've got a fantastic guest coming onto the podcast today. And you did Well, dear listener, you're going to love this. Dee Clayton. Mm-hmm. And now you and I have known Dee, as it turns out... For quite some time. Which is amazing, actually. Yeah. And I don't quite know how that came about, that we know the same person, but... We must travel the same the same paths somehow. Yeah. But Dee is really, really interesting person to have on. Like she's an author. I'm yeah. going to get her to talk about those books yeah. as well. When you're in the corporate sphere. Yes, well, right? we've both been in there. And we've been there. And you think, oh, man, I just want to, I want to make progress. I'm not making progress at the company. I'm being held back. And it's probably you, but... As an individual, you're not knowing how to fix things. Mm. And D is a person that does that. She identifies the weaknesses that you might have mm-hmm. and she fixes things. She adds to your pie. So you've got a pie like it. and there is a bit that needs to be filled so that you can make a complete pie in order for whatever you want to do in life going forward. I think a pie metaphor... It's mm. always a good thing to have in any situation, but it really does. It, it, we could don't go with cake, but yeah. Oh, I prefer a cake, to be honest. <laughs> but you get the idea. Yeah. that that missing chunk, and I think we all have them to some extent. Mm. But, We've talked about them previously with people, mm, haven't we? It's the uncertainty. It's the imposter syndrome. Those sort of things play across mm. a lot of things. Um, maybe it's the communication skill that yeah. might be it uh, that you don't have. Maybe it's coaching yes. rather than instructing people or yeah. telling people to do things yeah. those sorts of things are what what d uh, specializes in mm. so it's gonna be really interesting talking to her. i think we should bring her on hi d so where are you from and what do you do <laughs> well i live on the south coast uh, which i love being by the sea and i'm an executive coach and trainer in communication skills and team building that's a long title. <laughs> Do you want to elucidate a bit more of what an executive skills trainer or communications does? Yeah, sure. Um, so I help people to achieve better results in terms of mindsets and behaviours. So a, a real change in behaviours and mindset? Yeah. So largely to get a change in behaviour, you need to change people's mindset. So maybe normal trainers mm. might just teach skills my unique selling point is that I always talk about the mindset before I talk about the skills. So if you change your mind and your attitude first, then the skills is easier. The skills part is easier and it sticks for the long term rather than a short term plaster that might fall off in the middle of an important meeting. So what sort of people are you 
talking to training and being around then within your business Uh, mostly executives in corporates large corporates medium-sized corporates and I work with them to help them to find the next level of their promotion more comfortable or to be able to go for that next job often they've been identified as rising talent in the business but maybe there's one or two things they need to work on before they can take that vice president role or that executive role or maybe they're already in the exec role want to move up to president or or CEO Mm -hmm. but there's maybe a couple of things missing largely tends to be people skills there's something around their people skills that needs a little bit more work and is that with looking forward for them in terms of their career progression like you've just said but what about the people they're leaving behind? Is is it because they can't leave them behind? Yeah, often there's succession planning in the business mm-hmm. and this individual might be really good at their job, doing their job, but maybe they don't know how to sort of let go a bit of their job so that the people underneath can come through and do their jobs so that they can be promoted. So just being a subject matter expert that they've been all of their career really Mm. is no longer enough you actually need to do almost totally different skills to get yourself up to that next level and to bring the next level up so that they can take over your role and maybe even be better than you at it who knows you know (laughs) they do say that don't they if you can actually encourage people who are always better than you at the job then that helps you and also helps the company. So, you know, never employ somebody who's only as good as you. So what are the, the real problems that people are having? Because it, it occurs to me, having sort of gone through this chain, and I know you have as well, and I'll talk to you about, <laughs> about that in a second. But it occurs to me that if you put your head above the parapet, there's got to be something there that, that people have noticed. And then when you get involved, they've also noticed some traits that need fixing. What are those things that you often come to that need fixing? Yeah, and I, I suppose fixing is a bit of a controversial word, right? Yeah. Suggests they're like broken. Okay. <laughs> in, in this world, we might say strengths and weaknesses, but yeah, for sure, there's kind I of gaps. I stand corrected. <laughs> you need fixing. I'm going to fix you. Gaps. So, so with strengths, always comes weaknesses, right? So, if they are the kind of person that's very results orientated very driven and maybe um, really successful in terms of the numbers the company might really like that and with that personality style I use insights discovery as a tool where we talk about different um, color energies but with that color energy which might be quite a red focused color energy for example comes weaknesses in that they may not be as good at the people side the empathy the sympathy the bringing people with you the collaboration the working as a team so every Everybody has strengths and everybody has weaknesses and so it's about helping whoever it is with those strengths to identify where the weaknesses are and then you don't have to make them as strong as your strengths that's not really going to ever happen that's a bit challenging but just bringing those weaknesses up a little bit so they aren't pulling you back and they're not holding your team back and everyone else back and you know it's okay if you're not great at everything that's fine you can get your team members to do quite a lot of that that's the yin and yang isn't it Um, but you've got to be able to allow your team members to do that and they've got to feel that they can do that so you mentioned the different colors there's a red a blue am i right and green and a yellow yes that's right yeah as i remember yes that's right yeah Yeah. (laughs) dorothy (laughs) cool blue energy lots of detail i imagine yes detail uh, earth green very caring as well yes yeah i can remember we did a team thing 
building a bridge and our bridge was absolute rubbish but we had a nice looking bridge <laughs> good <laughs> and you thought about it thoroughly yeah, for a long absolutely. time absolutely yeah and alan uh, sunshine yellow like wow. sociable being out there talking to people collaborating as you are now doing with dorothy yeah yeah that's right i, I always get that yellow yellow red which is not you know i don't know why it's green but is that right? Is the it? red is the results as well. So yeah, the yeah. yellow is sociable and collaboration, uh, wanting to be involved in lots of things, which I know you, Alan, are involved yeah. in lots of things, aren't you? And the red is, you know, really the results driven, wanting to get into the action and get it done. So rather than talking about it, let's get it done. Um, so none of these things are better or worse, but as a business, you might prefer yeah. some traits in certain circumstances, but all of them have weaknesses. Yeah. I like to say, except for mine, of course, because we all <laughs> think we're are. perfect, right? Uh, you've got to say what, what sort of blends of colours are you then doing? Yes. So my preference is for sunshine yellow energy, which is probably why I'm a trainer at the front of the room talking. I have my second colour energy is fiery red. So whatever I do in terms of training, I won't get results. My third is earth green. So I do care about the people that I work with. And my very lowest is cool blue, the detail. Mm. All of the invoicing and that stuff really is difficult for me, but I've got better at it. I know I have to do it. So it's not a yeah. skill set. It doesn't mean I can't do it means that given a choice, I wouldn't do it in a million years. Yes. Uh, whereas other people love spreadsheets and data and all that, but I <laughs> don't. But Going under the table. <laughs> yes, yes. I know you had a chat about spreadsheets before on one of the other podcasts, didn't you? Yeah. I thought, oh, yes, you love a good spreadsheet. And it's uh, so funny when I talk to people about people skills, maybe mm. dialing up their earth green colour energy um, uh, or their sun tapping into their sunshine yellow energy. They go, yes, I'm going to write a spreadsheet about how to do that. It just makes me giggle. Yeah. Because even when we're talking about people, they go, let me do a spreadsheet about people. I'm OK, that, if that works for you, you yeah. know, whatever works for you, isn't it? Yeah. But I love it in training when people can't identify my colour energy, because that's the aim when I'm training is I'm meant to be able to represent everyone. And obviously I've got strengths and weaknesses as well. So I, I like it when they say, well, I can't quite suss out what you are when I'm doing those trainings. That's my aim, really, that... I haven't given too much away. And they go, oh, I thought you're quite high in the cool blue. I'm like, gosh, I'm exhausted, though. <laughs> I think it's useful as a personal exercise, a lot of these psychological things. But with the, with the colours, it's, it's really easy, I think, to pick up the sort of colours that you are. You, can, you don't need to do that psychological test, the 20 questions or the ocean one or whatever it is, to, to get the fact that you're extrovert or you're you know thinker um, or feeler the, the, yes the, there's yeah, extroversion exactly. and introversion yeah thinking and feeling and of course we are all of the colors yeah, of course but we do have this preference for one two or maybe three of those yeah. color energies and mm -hmm. and people can see this in you and when i do the training people go, oh, i don't like being don't put me in a box and it's like well we're putting you in a box and then taking you out of a box to say yeah. look in a box, generally, people do this sort of stuff. Now, you might not follow all those generalizations, but it's useful to see if you do and to be aware of your blind spots. And then, you know, then we take you out of the box and go, but, but, you know, I can do all of this blue stuff. I just don't like it, yeah. uh, but I can do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not my preference. Mm. So we can do different jobs that are different to our color energies, but largely generalizing if you find a job or a career that fits your colour energies, your preferences, you're more likely to be motivated, all other mm. things being equal. The other tool I use, other than personality tools, is one called Motivational Maps. I think oh, you might yes. have come mm, across that yeah, one yeah. as well. Yeah. And um, that's not about personalities, but that's about what motivates you. And I think mm. for people changing career or thinking about doing a new job role, it's really important to know your motivations. Mm. 
Is it money? Is it making a difference? Is it being free and being able to express yourself how you want to? Is it about having control of people and resources? There's like nine nine main motivators and it's really interesting to know which ones in an order that are yours. And I think for me, the reason I came out of corporate and set up my own business was because I had a high motivation about wanting to make a real difference. And whilst I loved my job in corporate, I used to work for Jacobs Creek Wine. Who wouldn't love that? I used to go to Australia on business trips, fully paid for. So it wasn't that difficult, but I did love that. I used to do some other jobs as well, Mm. mostly in food and drink. You know, I loved my job in marketing and communications. But I didn't feel I was making the difference in the world. Making people drink more wine didn't sort of fit a little bit with, you know, where do I want to be in 2030? What's my difference in the world? Oh, more people drank wine. That doesn't really feel right for me, despite the fact that it was fantastic. (laughs) Back to the training that you do for a moment. You must have trained thousands of people. So can you pick up on, on the sort of people who might be more successful than those that won't and really those other people to go back maybe to look at a different career path maybe I'm being harsh (laughs) (laughs) but maybe you know there's a difference isn't it do you notice the difference in people I think there's some people that are easier to work with than others yes and the easier ones to work with and the ones that tend to get the best results and the most change are those that are really motivated by a goal they want to achieve so they can see something they want They want to be better people manager or they want that promotion or they want to whatever it is. And they've got a real goal. So they're prepared to put the work in and they're open minded. So they're willing to hear, although it might not be comfortable, they're willing to hear feedback. So it's nice to see people that are open minded and have a goal and a motivation. So those are the people that would probably get the biggest results because they really put the work in. They do their do their what I call home play. I don't call it homework, but home play. And often people, rightly or wrongly, but people who've had a struggle in life tend to want to work harder. Mm. So you notice the difference even in culture. If you're working with somebody, you know, from an um, Eastern European country, they tend to have a higher work ethic than somebody maybe who's had a very comfortable background. They literally do Every piece of home play you give them once or twice through, they come super prepared to every session. They've done absolutely everything you've asked and other people don't. But I'm also probably one of the person that doesn't do all of the home plays. So, you know, I totally understand. (laughs) So are you doing one-on-one training with the executive level? Yes, I I do both. So the one-on-one coaching is where you get the biggest change because you can work personally with whatever they need it might be work stuff it might be personal stuff that's holding them back at work and because it's confidential they can talk to me about anything and I can help them overcome any of their challenges that they're facing and if I can't help them overcome it I can help them get to a place where they're able to accept help from a professional depending on what they need and I do do team work as well but before I do teamwork I prefer to have done one-to-one with all of the executives first because if you put a bunch of people in a room with all of their own stuff going on that's um, not as comfortable as if you've sorted out people's stuff and then put them in a room and that works really well you can get dramatic changes in executives teams when I've worked with them one-on-one and then do the the team stuff that really works well and they're then they're happier to be vulnerable you know that we work with 
Brene Brown on um, vulnerability. She's done a lot on that. Mm. And you've got to get rid of some of your baggage in order to be available to be vulnerable in a team. So that works really well, I find. So going back to Jacob's Creek. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> nice Do you know what there? I did for my interview preparation? I'd never drunk red wine. Had you not? So I must have been 20 something when I yeah. started that job. And um, I'd never had red wine. I don't think I liked it. Mm. So for interview preparation, I just drank lots of red wine. <laughs> I heard someone on Friday, she was going through a change in her business, her business, unfortunately. And uh, someone asked him, how did you get through? And she said, wine. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if she drank Jacob's Creek. So, yeah. so you were in your 20s, you got the job, you developed your career. And then? Yes. So whilst I worked at Jacob's Creek, uh, I was living in St. Albans. I was driving around to Hounslow every day in the days where you had to go into the office every day. Of course, yeah. this is sounds old fashioned now, doesn't it? It, it certainly does. Sitting yeah. in a traffic jam Imagine. every day. Yeah. I, can't, I don't know why people would do that anymore. <laughs> anyway, um, somebody went into the back of me actually at 50 miles. I was stationary waiting at a roundabout and somebody went into the back of me at 50 miles oh, an hour. Dear. And um, everyone's going, oh, I give you whiplash. I'm like, I'm not getting whiplash. So um, I decided I wasn't getting whiplash. Anyway, about three months later, when I couldn't move, I felt that possibly I did have whiplash. And obviously I had a thing about not being able to ask for help because I was going around saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. So um, I literally went into a swimming pool one day and I realised I couldn't move my arms anymore and I wasn't going to be able to swim very easily or get out of my swimming costume for that matter. Yeah. Um, and that's when I thought, oh, I probably need some help with this. Over those other months, I don't think people from the business that I used to work in would know this. I never took one day off sick, but I was staying at a and b because I wasn't able to drive home. So I stayed in a and b some nights. Sometimes I'd sit on the floor in a meeting, resting my head against the wall. I mean, obviously I had this thing that yeah. I've now sorted out, which is the next part of the story. I had some stuff going on in my brain that stopped me asking for help. I'm the strong one. I'm okay, which is rubbish, but I didn't know that. And yeah. um, oh, I'm pleased that I found that out now. So what, what happened then? Did you get too big for the company or you thought actually... I'm going to engineer my way out of this or was it the medical situation that, that drove you to doing your own thing? Yeah, well, the medical situation meant that I couldn't really drive to that far to work anymore. So I was looking to get a, a job closer to where I lived. So then I went and found a job with Jammy Dodgers Biscuits, Ooh. which was one minute from my house, which Ooh. is amazing in St Albans. So I went to Jammy Dodgers and I worked there for a while. But at the same time, I got a little bit of money from the car accident. It turned out to be about two years, my health recovery. I wanted to use the money to get my life back, not just to go on holiday. And so I'd heard about life coaching. So I thought, I'm a, it feels more positive than counselling. Um, so I thought, well, I don't want to go counselling because I was like, I'm, I'm OK. I, I used the money to go to life coaching. And what they taught me in life coaching, a lovely lady called Catherine White taught me NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is what I'm very well trained in now. And, mm. and I found the process that she took me through amazing. And that's why my business is called Simply Amazing Training, partly because I use this technique, NLP, which is just, I just, amazing. And I don't know why we don't all know it and it should be taught in schools and blah, I blah, totally blah. I totally agree. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I said this just the other day, I was saying to my son, he'll, he'll listen to this and go, oh, geez, off he goes again. <laughs> And I said to my son, Thanks, one of the, exactly, one of the things that you need to do, if you learn anything, just go and read the book, the, any, any NLP book. You can do the seven, NLP in seven days, NLP in 14 days. You can go and read the, the manual or the manuals. Okay. But whatever you do, just read it and then make your mind up if it's useful or not. I think that it should be taught in schools. There is some debate whether scientifically some of the things are actually, they stand up to that rigour. 
of, of science. But if it helps, it helps. Yeah. Right? And if you've yes. used it on clients and the clients get fantastic results, then, you know, my evidence is in the people that I work with. But, you know, there's so much to NLP. It's so wide. You can't say it doesn't work because it's just so wide and often it is a summary of things that work in other fields as well. So you probably, wherever you're successful already, you're probably already doing NLP, neuro-linguistic programming technique without knowing it's called that. It's probably called something else the way you do it. Somebody else has called it a different name. But if it's successful, I can pretty much guarantee that the technique is that. What's important though with learning something like, I, I don't necessarily call things NLP or I might call them a different thing, whatever. But what's important about knowing and labeling what you're doing is that you can then identify if you did or didn't do it again next time when it goes wrong. So when it goes wrong, which, you know, it does, doesn't it, right? We're used to failure. You look at your failure and then you go, actually, what's the feedback? The feedback is I did or didn't apply that rule that normally works for me. So then you can be successful next time. Whereas if you don't know the rules to success and you're just happily successful and you don't know why, then you don't know what to do and you don't know how to teach it to your team. Dorothy, you were talking about a team earlier. You can't teach if you don't know what makes you successful. What the beauty of NLP or techniques like that is that you can identify, here's why I'm successful. Let me teach those techniques to someone else. And you were talking about personality styles earlier. They can then learn the techniques apply them in their personality style rather than you must be exactly like me no here's the approach now go and do it in your style or in your manner of motivation whatever works for you yeah we've left you in the in sort of limbo here you're working at jammy uh, we've left you with a pile of jammy dodgers (laughs) which is a beautiful (laughs) image to have i mean uh, so tell me next that you work for oh mr kipling kate (laughs) did you go to mr kipling (laughs) not quite no (laughs) but what happened was i did my life coaching she did the nlp she found out why i couldn't ask for help or she found out she helped me to find out why i was doing all these behaviors that were a bit odd never asking for help never cried or pretty much never and she alan i would say she fixed me i mean she really she really i saw what my problems were it was all based on family stuff you know it's not their fault it's how i perceive some of the issues in my earlier life with my family blah 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 i was like she just narrowed it down to one sheet of paper and anyone who's done that technique with me will know that it literally comes down to one thing I'm stupid or I'm not good enough, I'm the strong one or I. Some identity statement about ourselves that we got from when we were six years, seven years old, mm. that's so out of date, but you're still running that program. Yeah. And that's why it's called neuro-linguistic programming. So you're running a program that's out of date. You know, you wouldn't do that on your iPhone, would you? So <laughs> imagine having the software from even two years ago on your iPhone, it starts yeah. going wrong, let alone yeah. 40 years ago. So she just summarised it so clearly on a piece of paper. I was just like, that is amazing. And then, you know, we'd put down all the sort of side effects, the things I wasn't doing. And I remember very distinctly one of my pieces of home play was go and ask for help. And I remember the the first time that I asked for help. And I was, I don't know, but at this time, maybe, um, not sure, 2006, maybe 2007, 2008, something like that. See, I'm not the blue enough to know the the years. Sorry about that. Uh, But yeah, I, I remember exactly going asking for help. So when she did that, I saw that is amazing. What is this stuff? It's NLP. Where can I learn it? So from that moment onwards, my priority was to learn NLP. I did one course with David Shepard. That was fantastic. That's a practitioner course for a week. 
then you can go and help and coach and learn some more. And then every holiday I had from my employer from then on was spent learning more about NLP. People go, where are you going? Hounslow again, you know, because I go to the training course in Hounslow. Then I did a two week course, which is master practitioner. And then you can be assistant on that course. Then I got an opportunity to go out to India and do some NLP training in India, uh, learning again with a master trainer. And then I did my, um, actually, I did my trainer's training, which was three weeks of training and a four day exam. Yikes. Four days. Yes. There was actually a really unpleasant family situation going on. And my sister was in a coma at the time in hospital down the road here. And I remember thinking, should I go or should I not go? Actually, the skills that I've learned from NLP has helped me so much in my personal life that that was absolutely the right thing to do is go. I obviously found my thing because I came top of the class. I'd never been top of the class in anything ever. I was top in the class and with those circumstances going on. So I thought, I think I might be quite good at this. (laughs) So that's when I, um, you know, as I was going through that journey, I thought I want to do this. This should more people should know this. I want to go and teach this. So my original idea was to teach people in marketing, which is my background, how to do NLP. Clearly, that's what I launched my business, but um, clearly that didn't work. So I've been through a number of iterations since then, learned quite a few lessons and and uh, now have landed on something that is both wanted and needed. There's a difference yeah. between need and want and anyone setting up a business needs to know that, but you learn yeah. it quite quickly. You do, don't you? And that learning or when you're out there going from maybe your side hustle as the terminology is now to your business the amount of learning that you do about all those other things that you have to do but definitely the want and the need you can sit in your back bedroom aggressively waiting for the phone to call (laughs) or you can go out and make the phone to call Mm. and going back to question that you asked earlier on about What's the type of people you work with? Are there people you can't work with? And, you know, sort of, are they open? Are they closed? Interesting. You've got a couple of books out. They've been very popular, those books, because whenever I mentioned your name to somebody, I find somebody who's read your books. Oh, lovely. Which is always good, right? So, yeah. Tell me about those books that you've got out. The first book was written a while ago now, actually, which called Taming Your Public Speaking Monkeys. What I realised is that presentation skills was a pain point that people did want and need help with. So I'd sort of dumped the marketing idea and said, well, if you need help with presentation, which to me is the same as marketing, right? Because they're speaking yeah. about their business. So, yeah. and yeah. Or they're speaking about themselves and it's personal marketing, brand marketing. So for me, it's all very similar. Absolutely. But they, I think the customer sees it as very different. But to me, it's all communicating effectively. So they'd come to me and say, well, I'm nervous of presenting. And what I did is apply everything I know about NLP and put it into the world of public speaking in the corporate world. And I used a metaphor about taming your monkey it's still this inner critic the voice that tells you you're stupid you're not good enough wrote a book that made it really simple language because I love NLP but it has very complicated language so I see myself as a bridge between NLP and the business world and making it more accessible to use NLP techniques in a easy to use way and so that was my first book which won loads of awards for being quite innovative in its approach and um, and just people got the monkey thing Mm. and they got on board so instead of being scared I don't want to speak to a public speaking trainer or I don't want to be embarrassed I just go oh don't worry that's just your monkey and we had a bit more of a off. Well, this is my sunshine yellow coming through, right? So yeah. in my business, I've used my sunshine yellow energy. My book has got a cartoon on the front. Whereas if I was a different color energy, my book wouldn't be that book, would it? It would mm. be a different book. So I guess I'm bringing my, me to, to everything that I'm doing. 
And then my second book is targeting the executives who are already probably good at speaking, otherwise they might not have got to where they are. They may still not like it. So you can be really good speaker and still lose nights and nights of sleep or be taking beta blockers or mm. be taking all sorts of, you know, waste wine, you know, yes. all sorts of things that they use to get them through the presentation. So they still might have monkeys that need sorting. But anyway, let's say they're doing good presentations. First thing, get your monkeys tamed. Second thing, then here's some techniques that really take your presentations to the next level. One of which is making sure you know the color energy of your audience, the style of the audience and give them what they need. So just because I like all of this, don't worry about the research kind of stuff. If they need the research, I need to do that and present that to them for them to believe me or, mm. you know, to buy in. So it's thinking about who you're presenting to. And there's a thing called the Simply Amazing Structure, which I've built on a technique that was previously in NLP and um, just made that a, a really, really, really useful tool that people can use in any situation when it comes to presentation skills, meetings, project planning, just organising your thoughts. Again, at school, they don't teach you how to organise your thoughts. They don't te teach you time. Well, they might do these days, but time management is often an issue. How to organise your thoughts is an issue. You know, if only I'd known this stuff at school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure your teacher is going, oh, D Clayton, D Clayton. Oh, yes. I did she, teach her that. She I didn't did listen. I did teach her that. And she wasn't listening. <laughs> I think with the time management is this gets set and it's how do they manage it in terms I know that's very, very simplistic and it's saying exactly what it is. But you listen to, well, particularly in my business, there's mothers and they say, well, they, they haven't done their homework. Well, you know, when do they do their homework? What is the, what's their style? Are they the crammers? Are they the planners? Are they, yeah, yeah and that sort of thing. So, so there we go. We've, we've actually almost rewritten the uh, education uh, <laughs> policy. <laughs> <in the country. laughs> NLP needs to be there and more organisation of schools. Yeah. So, uh, Dee, there's stuff on your website as well as the, the books that people can find the links to. W what else is on that website? Lots of techniques around adapting your style to other people. And I've got a series of personality profiling video series that actually, Alan, you star in the first video, if, oh if you remember. Yes. Um, so that's, uh, that's like a little video series that's available to buy. And that takes you through the different styles and how to adapt your communications or your you know how to if you have a phone call how to adapt to that person if you have a meeting how to adapt if you have a kind of a physical meeting with them so your body language might change the words you use your tone you might slow down you might speed up so it it teaches you how to adapt to different styles of people and alan's on it and where is it what's your website address simplyamazingtraining.co.uk thank you so one more question so what makes you smile in life? Ah, oh, well, I love living by the sea here. So really going for a walk on the beach with my other half, Leon, and my little dog, Abby, and hopefully having my family around me who are safe and healthy. Wasn't that an interesting discussion? I could have carried on there for about another hour or two talking yeah. to Dee. Yeah. She is such a knowledgeable person mm. that I don't think we've actually dug that much into the stuff that uh, that yeah. we could have done. We must ask her back on, I think, the podcast at some point. I think so. And her enthusiasm for what she does and and 
for her achievements as well, which is great to see someone acknowledge what she has achieved with what she does. I think that's important. That did come across, actually, that both with Dee and also the people that she trains and coaches, that you have to acknowledge those achievements. And if we don't do that, then we don't have any grounding. We don't know the progress that we've made, which is really insightful thing that Dee has come up with. One of the things that she said about working with people who perhaps don't know what it is that they don't know that was interesting because at the level that she's working at the executive level my assumption was they would know mostly everything yes they might be good at their subject matter but they've got to such a level but obviously there's as we talked about earlier about the piece of missing pie and then the other thing for me that was really interesting was the use of nlp yeah just in general life whereas perhaps the majority of us don't know that we are using it but it would appear it's there and being used and in common sense way absolutely i think she's right that most people would be using some aspects of this thing that's called nlp if you've not heard it neurolinguistic programming there's so much in there that i think is useful to anybody that's thinking about moving up the career ladder or going to work for themselves particularly yeah. you know you're going to have to at some point interact with a customer and uh, as we all know, customers are always right, right? <laughs> Except for when they're wrong. <laughs> Which is most of the time. So these little skills and interpersonal skills as well. Yeah. Anything that, you know, personal, family maybe, you know, yeah. your, your yeah. children, your, your mum, your dad, and you mm. know, in Dee's case, her sister as well. So really, really insightful. I, I really enjoyed that podcast. We must get Dee back on again. Yes, I totally agree with that. So that's it for this episode. I'm really looking forward to next time's guest. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, can't give too much away about that one. But if you want to listen to this podcast again, of course, it's easy. Just hit the rewind button. But you can actually also listen to the other podcasts that we have in the Out of the Frying Pan podcast series by just going to your normal podcast host. You'll find them there or following us on social media. Look out for the Out of the Frying Pan podcast. That's where you go to type in and you'll find everything right there. Dorothy, always a pleasure. Thank you, Alan. Let's do it again sometime. Mm -hmm.